Hello, my friends. This is the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. And that's Not Just Blowing Smoke. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Not Just Blowing Smoke. Hey everybody, it is time for Not Just Blowing Smoke. I got a little distracted there. That was Jeff Mitchell's uh, Fat Cigar you were listening to. That means it's time for Not Just Blowing Smoke. We're coming at you live from the deck of the 724 Lounge. And uh, this is the first time we're doing an outdoor show, so this is going to be fun fun to do. Wherever you're streaming from, whether you're watching us live on Facebook or uh, on uh, YouTube, or if you're listening after the fact, wherever you got your pro- podcast from, make sure you hit that subscribe button at the bottom of the screen so that you don't ever miss a thing. I'm Pastor Padrone. I'm here with my co-hosts, Pat and Dave. We have uh, Bree with us from the 724 Lounge. Debris! 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 <laughs> and uh, tonight we are doing our uh, uh, kind of what was kind of like a classic show. We're doing a cigar in the... And then we're going to follow it up with a pipe tobacco, both of which are new. And the cigar we're doing is this. It is the Lomo de Cerdo, a.k.a. the Pork Tenderloin, the Tuxla edition uh, from uh, Tatawahe. Just hit stores this past week. Pat, what can you tell us about this cigar that we're smoking and that you're desperately trying to light? Um, it is a cigar. That's um, very good, Pat. It's, it's the pork. This is a cigar, people. It's also brown. <laughs> it's the uh, the pork tenderloin, which is arguably Tatuaje's best release. It's part of the meat series. It comes in the meat packaging, it's the horn rind. The meat series. The blend on it. This specific one has a Mexican San Andreas wrapper on oh, yeah. it, which is what Tuxla means. Tuxla is the main municipality in Mexico where the tobacco industry is there. So this is Tuxla, Mexican San Andreas. And the blend is based off of the original, obviously, pork tenderloin, which had a Connecticut broadleaf wrapper, a Nicaraguan binder, and the same filler blend as the J21, which is another one of Tatuaje's um, well-known releases. So this one just has a San Andreas wrapper on it, opposed to the Connecticut Broadleaf. Right, and it's a Robusto. It's five and an eighth by fifty-two. Yep, the big brother of the pork chop. The big brother of the pork <laughs> chop, the tenderloin, mm-hmm. and um, a little over what eighteen hundred? Was it eighteen hundred packs? Yeah, that sounds about right. It wasn't a huge release. Yeah, it was. It wasn't. It was a little over that, from what I read on Half Wheel. Yeah, because usually but, the companies make more than they're planning because of. You know, quality control and stuff happens. Yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll talk about it a little bit later on the show, but it comes in a bundle, not in a box, and it's wrapped to make it look like something you get from a butcher shop. And it actually, you know, says the Lomo de Cerdo on it. It, it nowhere on the packaging does it say pork tenderloin, but Lomo de Cerdo. That's that's what that means. Mm. is pork tenderloin um the green and silver um uh tuxla band and colors are on the cigar as well as on the packaging and um we are pairing something special with this tonight we don't often do wine do you want to talk to us about the uh stuff we're drinking with this uh brie yeah so like you said it's kind of interesting um a lot of times as as many people as there are that drink wine with cigars, <laughs> um, it's not a easy to pair um, spirit with cigars for a lot of different reasons. But this is actually um, a new red wine that we just brought into Twins at uh, the 724 Lounge. 
and um, it's called Costa de Mori, Monte Pulciano de Abruzzo. So, Bless you. Um, <laughs> a bit of a mouthful, but if you're ordering it, Costa de Moro for short. Um, it's described as an exuberant and complex wa- um, wine with a warm and silky mouthfeel and notes of black cherry, cocoa, raspberry, tobacco, and almond. So um, it's, it's kind of interesting um, reading up on their story. Um, so they age the wine for four months, half in oak barrels, and then the other half of the time in stainless steel. Weird. Um, so the grapes are distemmed and crushed, and then the skins are left in contact with the must and their indigenous yeast for 10 to 15 days. Okay. So yeah, it's a, it seems like a, a revolutionizing or revolutionary wine process. Mm. I'm not really sure. Um, well, and the... Pete Johnson's into wine and stuff like that. That's one of the reasons I thought this pairing would actually, mm-hmm. you know, might actually work because well, it's and concept something... wise, meat, wine, yeah, hey, hey. meat and wine, mm-hmm. red meat. It's interesting. Well, pork, but, yeah. pork is the other white thing. <laughs> yeah. It's also um, organic and biodynamic and vegan. They say it's a, so it's it's a certified wine, certified vegan. Now, um, is sure there really... such a thing as a wine that is not certified vegan? <laughs> That's I, a good I, question. I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally, wine. I'm literally. Yeah, <laughs> I'm wondering the same I'm thing literally because asked. it seems to be a selling point. Just I mean, just like how Tito's came yeah. out and they're like, oh, we have gluten-free vodka. And yep. you're like, yeah, but. It never had gluten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, you know, you yeah. know peanuts, they're gluten free. Well, of course they're gluten free. It's not wheat. You know, it's it's a nut. You know, yeah. it's it's yeah. it's it, it's funny how that that selling point actually they'll promote that on things that have absolutely nothing to do with it. Like but our cigars are gluten free. They are. This one in particular, it actually well, says gluten free on the package. Yeah. I guess we'll just have to take a trip to Italy and find out ourselves. I'd be very interested if there are wines Not that just blown actually can't yeah. say they're vegan. Mm. Yeah. That'll because be an interesting topic for, in for next in week. week. What are they putting in maybe, those barrels if maybe, they can't say maybe they're Maybe I'll vegan. do some research on that this week. Mm. There's got to be a bacon wine out there somewhere. There's, okay. They make bacon <laughs> everything. Bacon. Stop, stop. No, no, no bacon wine talking. They make bacon beer. If that's bacon bourbon. No, no. Yep. They put hops and stuff in there that makes it taste like that. Nobody drops bacon into a barrel and <laughs> ages it. I mean, oh, I might, like, but oh, yeah, no. Sounds like a good idea. Although, that's, that's like, horrible. Um, now that I'm bringing, I'm going to bring it back bacon. here for a second. So I, with that, their, their whole vegan um, title, they have a philosophy that kind of tells you a little bit about their process. They say, yeah. Lunaria promotes love for the land and its inhabitants. The biodynamic process is built to sustain the wildlife and the surrounding preserve. Sharing a Bruzo culture, Lunaria uses the traditional old country style rope for the wine seal. The rope tying process is entrusted to the Babalu, the friendship farm, supporting employment for persons with special needs. So they have they have a lot of causes they're kind of they're advocating for. And if you notice the bottle, they have that um, rope that's tied around it. So that's what they're referencing there. Interesting. Really cool wine. Does anyone remember the handicap act from that old Fox comedy show in the 90s? Mm -hmm. No. Do you? What was it from? I can't remember the name of the show. It's probably been banned like from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it was a Saturday Night Live thing, but it was like on Fox or something. I can't remember the name of the show, but uh, one of the little what, skits. It wasn't they Mad they TV. Did, it was. It was. It, they um, did the handicap in Living Color. In Living Color, maybe yeah. it was. Yeah, in Living Color. You don't ever remember that? They had this handicapped. <laughs> Bree wasn't around then. This handicapped. <laughs> black guy he was dressed as a superhero my parents like, watched that show he'd like hobble like, yeah. hobble over to the window and drop himself out and then they'd show him flying all like <laughs> cripple like through the air and he'd say never underestimate the power of the handicap and i'm like <laughs> you could never you could never get away with that today but that's what i think of what i thought oh, boy see. we're gonna I get look canceled at the, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm but it was, you know. Pat and I are just looking at each other like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. You still love me, B. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no. 
It's okay. So we're going to cut this I part have, out, right? I still have my mother. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. Um, uh, trying to get back on the track into something that might not actually get us canceled. Uh, how was everybody's Easter? It was small and quiet, wonderful. We had ham and loaded mashed potatoes and mm-hmm. a green bean casserole that I tweaked with some garlic and herbs and spices, and yeah. it came out fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How come uh, you didn't have mom with you? Because she was with you. <laughs> oh. Yeah, and she said she had a blast. She did. She did. She also says that uh, you, you never actually talked to her about Easter. Ever. This is awkward. <laughs> she called me and said, <laughs> I'm not having Easter with anyone. I'm going to be alone. And then hung up the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's what it was. Yeah. So I invited mom to come to Easter with us, and she had a great time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But didn't you didn't you say? And I'm I'm trying to get this on on actual recorded record. You did mm-hmm. talk with mom. I did about, talk with mom. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And uh, I said I don't know what I'm going to be doing because um, I didn't know if both both the boys were going to be working. It turned out Eli had to work, but not Thomas. Mm-hmm. So. And she just opted not to do anything mm-hmm. with you. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. She said, don't worry about it. I have food coming in. Not yeah. a big deal. I'm going to see you Tuesday, which mm-hmm. we did. Mm-hmm. We all met the boys. We went over today. Just had a nice pizza lunch. Mm-hmm. Yep. I saw the pictures. Yep. 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 Very good. Very good. So now you know what I did. I took my mom to <laughs> the in-laws and everything. Oh. And my, I'm fortunate in that my parents and my wife's parents... Uh, we're very close, and so we've never really had to worry about like, In-laws. whose house do we go yeah, over to? Who do we fun. who do we not offend this year, <laughs> this holiday? And so the fact that you know my mom, you know now Mandy's mom passed away several years ago. Um, our dad passed away several years ago. So my mom and and her dad still stay in touch. It, it was it was great for them to have mm-hmm. some good time together and everything, and that was really good. Um, but, uh, you know, again, same thing, ham, you know, all the fixings, um, it was, it was, it, we ended up having a great time, but, uh, what, what, what does Easter look like in, in Bree world? I had a very non-conventional Easter this year yeah. because I grew up in a very religious family. So yeah. every Easter was a big deal. We had to go to church. Mm-hmm. We went to my grandparents. Did we you made go to food. church? No. This year, so most of my family is now like in different parts of the country. Like my okay. parents down south. My grandmother passed away. Like my aunts up here. But everyone's kind of doing their own thing. So I just took this Easter as a time to celebrate the spring equinox and reconnect with nature. Get some mm-hmm. cleaning done. Done get and some cleaning done <laughs> celebrate everything coming back to life and warming mm-hmm. up clean so, up the debris yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> only partially though just a little bit yeah so yeah. yeah did you eat anything i celebrated the spring equinox yeah and i ate at pressed cafe you ate at pressed cafe <laughs> yeah it's this that? really good little um like they they do like pressed juices they make all sorts of like healthy keen like quinoa bowls are they uh, vegan no god no they okay. you know yeah. I mean, they have vegan options. They have vegan options. Yeah. They are not fully vegan because I love cheese vegan? too much. Are you vegan? I love cheese too much. You love cheese too much. Cheese yeah. and eggs and bacon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and bacon. Yes. We know Brie loves her bacon. Cheese. Cheese, yes. Mostly cheese. What about you, Pat? What did you do for Easter? Do you still do Easter egg hunts at your house? No. No? <laughs> Just had family over and good food. My brother sporadically proposed that no one knew about, so that happened. So to you? No, to his. <laughs> so it was good. Okay. To a woman? Yeah. It to was, a yes. Yeah, to a to a nice woman. Okay, very good. I'm just making it clear. You didn't make that very clear. That was implied. Wow. <laughs> 
you obviously have not been paying attention to the last to the last few you know years in the United States here. You can't assume that. Is it just you can't assume that this episode's not making it to YouTube? All the more reason we can just you know talk like we normally would you know in the, in the lounge and everything so we have 10 minutes of usable footage yeah. <laughs> is anyone still listening dave let's see uh, no comments yet no so, comments yet yeah well, that's, that's, there you go that's good yeah. so One, we have a lone person on facebook and uh two people on youtube so mm. okay <laughs> um let me ask you a question pat about the cigar here um you know, we've talked in the past about the whole thing that some cigars, you know, are doing being named after food or flavors or things like that. And there's people who think that that is really hurting the industry. That when you, you know, start talking about a cigar like it's, you know, a pork tenderloin, that that's going to pull underage people's interest into the cigar so you don't do it this cigar you know when you you know this is what you get out of the the pack this doesn't have any kind of special marking on it or anything yeah. but the packaging it comes in it's designed to look like it's a pack of meat and it's got the label on it is designed to look like the the label that you get on the pack of meat and where the ingredients would be. There are actually instructions for safe handling and using and lighting and enjoying the cigar. But it's all meant to look like a piece of food. Mm -hmm. Is this good for the industry? Is this bad? What, what do you think of this? Are we going to see a review of this cigar on Half Wheel, which has said they're never doing a review of any cigar that is food-based related? Yeah, so I'm trying going back to the episode we talked about the um was it Brookstone? It was uh, some kind of ice cream brand, right? Not not yeah. Brookstone. It was um it's a Rocky Road, Rocky Road or something like that. It was like an ice cream branded mm -hmm. um cigar. And you know, I post that episode i, I kind of did my own research on like the industry drama behind it mm -hmm. and i i just think a lot of the legacy brands and like the old school people don't really like provada cigar club which is who produced that cigar so you know i i, I think one of the things that a lot of people are trying to do and mind you like pete johnson you know the pork tenderloin the meat series came out i forget when but it was some time ago this isn't like a new like thing 2010 i think yeah yeah and you know when it comes to like i'll answer in different spurs so to begin with with mm. this specific cigar in meat packaging i don't think there's any fear of any miners or anyone like that looking at it for one i don't think you can even get this thing anywhere other than a 21 and up store or 21 and up website which again you can just say you're 21 but legally you act like that's the barrier like the, right if the miner's right. going in still it's someone else's fault not the company's but um i, I don't think this cigar i i can say with you know assurance that th this cigar is not going to cause any issues in that realm you know, I think a lot of what people are targeting is, you know, a lot of your cigar smokers, it's like the age of nostalgia. Like everyone's mm -hmm. doing nostalgic things to kind of attract right. people to the product. And I think that something that Provada Cigar Club has been doing is using those nostalgic characters to kind of bring people in and you know like the, the, those elmo cigars mm -hmm. Destiny street like you know what was a big bird it had like the yellow bird band on it you know and i think that half wheels perspective is you know it's tough for us to argue the fda that we're not trying to attract minors when we have these cartoons on it but on the other end of things those cartoons is what people that are no longer minors were watching mm -hmm. and it's you know, so I don't think this specific product is going to have any issues. And I honestly mm -hmm. don't think many products that do it should have many issues. It's just my opinion. It's one thing if I go to a gas station and I see, like, 
a Rocky Road ice cream thing, you know, with cigars in it, with, you know, just anyone can walk in there and see that. So, again, I'm not sure if that if that's what was happening. And if that is, I'm, for, for one, I'm personally, I'm against gas station cigars in general. Like, I don't yeah. think we, the, any premium cigars should be in a gas station. Like the cigars are mm-hmm. against gas station cigars. Yeah, so, but <laughs> with this cigar, I really don't see a problem with it. I mean, again, like, you look at the meat packaging, it's it's identical to what you would get at a butcher shop. But again, like, it's a really generic kind of concept, like, you know, the pork tenderloin. It, it, it's, it's not like, like, if I was someone, like, on the FDA side looking at this, you know, like, a pork tenderloin it, it's a really broad kind of thing it's not like you know i don't think a kid's gonna walk by oh pork tenderloin I could smoke one of those <laughs> you know it, it's not like if you have like rocky road ice cream or like munchies mm-hmm. cigars or anything of that sort you know Big i would argue yeah. like you know like the new like breakfast tacos we have in would be more of an appeal to mm. minors but i still don't see any appeal that, that i mean again you have like the colors of the band and everything like that but it's you know i i think the appealing to minors with marketing and cigars is kind of a frivolous argument mm-hmm. you know like i i really don't even if you use like a sesame street cartoon logo on a cigar i i still don't see the product attracting a minor i really don't it's one thing if it was like an ice cream cigar and that the cigar tasted like ice cream and then that's in a gas station somewhere but mm-hmm. I really don't see this being a problem mm. and I actually see it as a really good marketing technique from mm. Pete like it's unique you know and I think we're, the, the industry doesn't have a lot of unique things right now coming out so yeah. it's good to see that Pete brought back that original unique concept he had right um, <laughs> I haven't had the previous releases of the uh, tenderloin you have how, how do you think this compares to previous releases the original release so i'll say that in general the tuxless series they did the avion mm-hmm. the t110 the seventh i thought they they're not bad cigars but i, I didn't think they were better than the originals and, you know, Pete has a thing where he just d- does different wrappers on existing blends. I mean, we talked about this earlier, mm-hmm. and it's not a bad thing. But the Tuxlas were definitely, like, my least favorite wrapper change he's done. Mm-hmm. But the Pork Tenderloin, comparing it to the original, again, the original that I had, um, Twins had a um, a pack that we sold. It was probably <clears throat> a year and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. So th- those cigars were from... Yeah. 10 years ago. Right. You know, so out of the box, I really can't speak to it, but the original Pork Tenderloin was a f- absolutely phenomenal cigar. Like, it just, that broadleaf just aged so well, like mm-hmm. most hats do. Yeah. And it just had, like, this really, really pronounced sweetness, I remember, and it just kind of matched with, like, it, it had that really kind of floral sweetness you kind of get out of a Cuban cigar. And it had a really, like, rich, refined oak note. It was super creamy. Had a little bit of, like, a touch of spice on it. It it, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal cigar. And then the Tuxla version of it, it's good. It's my favorite Tuxla, and I think it's the closest to point with the previous uh, blend. Um, It's it's closer, for sure. I, I think that it's... I think some people might like the Tuxla more than the original Pork Tenderloin mm-hmm. if they've ever had it. I think that this cigar specifically brings out more of those kind of Nicaraguan flavors. Like, it's a lot more spice-forward. It has, like, a kind of a darker... To me, like, when I have a clean palate when I first smoked it, it had, like, that kind of hickory spice sweetness of the wood. Mm-hmm. And then just like that sweetness that was forward on the original pork tenderloin seems to come on the finish. And again, that's just San Andreas. It depends what yeah. San Andreas wrapper you're using, but sometimes they're pretty sweet forward or the sweet following. Mm-hmm. And this one's the latter. It's going to be that sweetness is kind of lingering on the back end of the profile. But, you know, with that, like taking, you know, I, I just, it, it sucks you can't get the original pork tenderloin. Right. It would be a really interesting kind of back to back. Right. I think this is a really good cigar, and I think it just kind of speaks to what the wrapper can do mm-hmm. to a really, really good blend, and it's it's good in its own way, yeah. you know. But in, like when I had the other Tuxlas, I was like, 
you know, it's they're they're not bad, but they're not like I'd rather smoke the core line. If I think if pork tenderloins were just readily available, like the original ones, I would definitely rotate between the two here. Yeah. What do you think of the cigar and the pairing, Dave? I think the pairing is is right on. I think the uh, the wine is definitely making the the sweetness linger longer, and um, I'm getting this really nice creamy spice in my retro hill. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think the the wine is helping that as well. Um, yeah. What do you think, Bree? Very pleasantly surprised. Any time that I've had wine with a cigar, I've found that my palate was really dry and um, almost like they drowned each other out. And it's kind of interesting looking at the tasting notes between um, this cigar and the wine, where the mm. wine had like the tobacco, the raspberries, like implying it might have that kind of like smoky aged sweetness under it and mm-hmm. then this cigar i am also getting that like hickory spice sweetness that yeah. pat was describing and it's also really refined with that slight hint of spice so my palate is very wet it's not it's not at all like unpleasant it's very complimentary yeah, yeah. i think the wine is going really well with the cigar i think it brings out the sweetness there's the, i think it complements the earthiness of the cigar um, and the red wine and the cocoa notes of the San Andreas, I think, play really well together, too. So mm. I think you're getting a lot of complex things going on with the pair. And the funny story of the wine is Tyler had come, I'd say, I think it was probably around two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. And we did a wine tasting because we wanted to kind of amp up what we had at the lounge. Right. And I was smoking a um, Tatuaje Brown Label 7th when I was tasting the wines. And then this one came out. Because Cab does really well at the lounge. Mm. So um, this specific wine is a uh, old world um, red, obviously. And the first thing that I noticed about it, which I don't know if you guys are wine people. I mean, I'm trying to be a wine person. I'm not by any means a sommelier. But if you look at the uh, the light and you just flick the glass down a little bit like this, like that violet velvet color hue to it, attracted me because it was mm. just different than all, all the other reds we had had mm-hmm. and then like the legs on it the tannins mm-hmm. yeah yeah and the then, legs are beautiful like the aroma is, is what initially spoke to me when i was having right. the cigar because when you smoke the brown label tatawahe you get that very cuban-esque kind of floral kind of you know like aging room cedar aroma in the room mm-hmm. and then when i did the nose with this wine i got kind of a jammy tobacco kind mm. of aroma to it so it's very complimentary just sit in the room note and then like sipping it again it has like that sometimes cabs can be pretty dry depends yeah. which one you go with and then sometimes it can be sweeter this one to me was kind of right in the middle like it has a, mm-hmm. a nice mouthfeel to it to where yeah. but it's not too much of a mouthfeel where the pairing would have to be a food so I think that if you have a good cigar, like for instance, like the seventh I was smoking has like that kind of creamy and like I'll, I'll call it a wet smoke. It's more of a savory smoke. It kind of makes you salivate a little mm-hmm. bit without having to like have food with it. It kind of, you know, put my palate back to a neutral position. And then those nice kind of sweet, fruity jam notes like the cocoa. I got a little bit of anise out of it, like a little bit of anise spice. And then, like, that tobacco finish on it was just, like, spot on, and it just went so well. And that's why I haven't had it with the pork tenderloin yet, but it, it just is just like the other tad I had. It's a really, really good pairing. It's, this would go well with so many cigars. That's why we picked it. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this is going to be a great wine up at the lounge. Mm-hmm. This would be a great nightcap after a night out at a steakhouse. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It'd be great at the steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> but this, this cigar would totally follow up a good stick oh yeah absolutely now we already kind of hinted at this pat but you know one of one of pete johnson's things that he really likes to do is to show off how changing the wrapper changes the cigar how much of the wrapper actually affects the rest of the blend and it's become kind of his modus operandi to take a blend and put a new wrapper on it. And then a couple of years later, he'll put another kind of wrapper on it. Then a couple of years later, he'll do another kind of wrapper. And 
you know, this, when I saw this and, you know, the whole Tuxla thing coming out, you know, and, and all of the, you know, the first three Tuxlas came out last year. Um, I started thinking, you know, it's, I know that if you were going to ask Pete, he would say, I'm trying to educate people about how changing one thing about a blend changes the entire experience. You know, but I can't help but wonder whether, can you not think of anything new? I mean, you take a blend that you had, why not do the thing that people enjoyed 10 years ago? Why put a, a different wrapper on it that may or may not make it better than the original? You know, so is it, is it, you know, like creative fatigue, do you think? It might be options, that might be, too. That might be like this. Broadleaf or, has been really hard to get lately. And... Or do you think it's, you know, the FDA with all of its threat threatenings and stuff that that he just doesn't feel like it's worth the effort to put a whole new blend together or something and ah, well, you know this tobacco we have is good let's try it on that so is it educational is it a sign of creative fatigue is it a sign of the fda oversight of things you know and and just kind of being careful not really putting so much effort into it because you might get spanked anyway what what do you think's going on here so i would say it's more of a like if if you really were in pete's head or i guess if i was in pete's position my answer to it would be it's i don't want to say it's solely a marketing thing but if you look at like the origins of tatuaje like early like eh, mid-2000s you know it, it, it was immediately a cultist brand Mm-hmm. You know, like when Tatuaje first came out, the brown label, you you couldn't get the stuff. It was sold out everywhere. And then in this case, the meat series, I wish I remember the name of the shop. It was in Massachusetts, Boston. Uh, the owner's name was Porkchop. I forget. Gloucester but, Street Cigars. That's, yes. That's where they were originally yep, made. So for, yes. this cigar was made for Gloucester Street Cigars in the peak of the Tatuaje demand. Mm-hmm. And this shop not only had Tatuaje, but it had an exclusive Tatuaje. So, with that being said, like, a lot of the things Pete does turns into, because of this cult following he has, it just picks up traction. And I think that when it comes to him switching the wrappers, I mean, if you look at, like, the the primary portfolio of Tatuaje, he does the Habana Rosado, which is on mm-hmm. his brown labels, and then the Escaso, which is a higher priming. He has the Ecuadorian Sumatra, and then he has the Broadleaf, and then mm-hmm. all three of those tobaccos has, like, this cult following for it, right? Like, he switches these wrappers, and it's like, oh, you know, like, the PCA and the TAA came out. Same cigar, Sumatra, Broadleaf. It's, it, again, and then people that are, the consumers of his are going to, like, want to get those because it's the Sumatra and the Broadleaf version of it, mm-hmm. you know? And when it comes to the meat series... If he released the meat series, it's going to sell. If he does the Tuxla, which a San Andreas wrapper is cheaper than Broadleaf, so it could be to Dave's point, yep. it's going to sell. And it's also something new. And, you know, the Tuxla series very well could become another wrapper that Pete's starting to utilize because mm-hmm. I think he had teased that he may continually release a Tuxla series. So I think it is an educational thing. But that wasn't, like, the intent of it. I just think that he has blends that never died out. Mm-hmm. And then he just, like... And he's very smart with his production because he doesn't keep releasing it. Like, for instance, like, the J21. Right. He did a re-release of it. I want to say it was, like, a year and a half ago. So we, we had a short run of those. And, and that cigar with the Tat following is, like, one of those, like, if you see it, get it. It came originally in 50-count cabinets. I, I don't remember if it was 50-count cabinet when it came out again. But it's going to sell. So, he, you know, you have a cigar here, and you're going to market it as... And again, when I was reading on the blend of it to double-check, you know, my notes on it, it's advertised as a J21 filler blend. Mm-hmm. So you're using an, an old cigar that had a cult following for it on this. You're using an old concept that had a cult following, and now you put a new wrapper on it. It's 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 no-brainer. It's going to mm-hmm. sell. Like mm-hmm. We got, like, what, 50 bundles at Twins? They'll be gone. Yeah. 
You know, well, and you could have done the old thing too. But right. again, like the profit margin, it might be better doing the San Andreas on it. But it's also, you know, you could do a release of 1,800 bundles of the original one. You already know it's going to sell. Mm-hmm. Or you can use kind of the coattails of that release and do a new blend of it. And then that's going to sell. And then maybe this is something that you can more regularly produce than the other one. Because again, Broadleaf is a little bit harder to get. Right. And that might be why he did the Tuxla series. Because again, we had. To me, like when I first started at Twins, I think it was like the San Andreas boom. Like it seems mm-hmm. like every yeah. cigar that San came Andreas out. Oh my gosh, yeah, so and true. Honestly, San Andreas is stock cut. It's cured pretty similar how it was done in Connecticut. And you know, when I started here is when like the marijuana business started buying broadleaf and using broadleaf to be, you know, rolling papers right. for marijuana. So I think that naturally. It's like a lot of companies are utilizing San Andreas now, so that may very well be why the Tuxlas came to be. Because instead of doing these Reserva Broadleaf releases, now he has another wrapper that he can utilize to keep doing these releases and then using the previous cult following brands to kind of capitalize on that. Because most of the things Pete does, like honestly, name one cigar Pete's done in the past year and a half that's been a regular production cigar. I don't think there's one. No, I really don't. Well, I think yeah. that's the other part of it, too, is, like, I think if Pete has a blend that he smokes and he's like, this is awesome, you know, he's going to, he's going to, that's a part in it, too. Like, I think, for me, this hits, like, a lot of my, a lot of my favorite um, tastes in a cigar. Uh, like, I love this. I'm loving this. This is definitely one of my favorite tats that do I've Do you like had. it, Dave? I like it a lot. I do. So I'll be honest, if I own a brand myself, I would probably copy everything Pete's doing. Because, like, you have Coraline cigars that people love. Right. Like the Versailles, the Brown Label, mm-hmm. the Tatuaje Blacks. You know, different po- different wrappers. You know, you have Sumatra, you have Broadleaf, and you have a Habano. Just mm-hmm. Coraline, they're good cigars. People buy them. If they see them, it's, it, it's like a daily rotation for a lot of people. But now that he has solidified that kind of thing, then you have the Escasos, which is kind of, a, to me, a better version of the brown label. Now, right. that's for selected retailers. So it's readily available to selected retailers now. Right. And then everything else he's doing now that he has this foundation is just these limited releases. So they don't get watered out. And then, again, like every crop of tobacco is going to be different. So he doesn't have to deal with that. You just do right. a, a limited release. You put it out. It's as good as you want it to be. It's with that crop. And... It's really it's smart gone. marketing. It's pretty you know, similar. It really again, is. like I, I, maybe the, I'm just kind of, you know, going on a tangent here with it. But, you know, Pete's a big wine guy. You know, whenever you buy wine, there's a vintage on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And then like that vintage is what people go for <laughs> if it's a good year. So he might be doing it as like a vintage thing. Like he has a 2020 crop. What am I going to do with it? You know, oh, let's go back to the 2018 crop. What am I going to do with it? So he's not releasing these things as a regular production cigar because he's going to a certain vintage crop and he's making something out of that. I right. honestly genuinely think that's what he's probably doing because he's such a wine geek, so he might look at what they're doing and be like, okay, yeah. this is something I can do. No, I think Which you're right. He, he had made a cigar. The Voku 2013 right. was a, a vintage crop, and it said mm-hmm. um, it, it came out in 2016, and it had the, the band on it says 2013 uh, vintage, I think it said vintage on it. I, I smoked one literally on Sunday, and I can't mm-hmm. remember it. But that, that's literally like, like he did that because of wine. Like that, mm-hmm. he, 2016, he took the uh, 2013 crop, limited release Versailles. Uh, Ver- Versailles? Am I saying that wrong? Versailles? Yeah, no, Versailles. yeah. Yeah. Voku? It might be Voku. I think it's Voku. But yeah, whatever. So the, I think that's what he does. And I think Veracu? Veracu. That's, that's what, what I it was is. Trying. So Veracu. I think that's what he honestly does. And again, here, very Can well. Can you tell I'm not a, a total tat freak? <laughs> it no. took me that long to figure out he was saying Veracu. I just didn't want to say it. I was like, I but, think it's Veracu, but it might not be. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, again, the fillers in this cigar being the J21, it could be the fillers from the J21 release that came out last time he released it. It could be the same fillers from the crop that came when he originally released the J21. You don't know, but I, I that that would be my guess with Pete, because like, you know he uses a lot of tobacco from Pepin Garcia, and if you smoke his cigars, they to me that's a noticeable difference, with the exception of the Monster series. I think the Monster series kind of blends in with my father's profile, mm-hmm. but it's very unique cigars from a factory that is well known for what they do. Yeah, and I, I, I that's. If I had to just throw a dart at the dog bar, that's what I'd say he's doing of all these limited releases and just doing different wrappers on vintage crops. All right. Well, I, we're getting a lot of 
positive feedback on the uh, show. Everybody seems to be liking it, especially the outdoor thing. Yeah. Is anyone talking about what we're talking about or just that we're outside? Yeah, just that we're outside. Great show, guys. Show was great so far. Cheers. All right. Well, on that note, what's our final thoughts here on the uh, Lomo de Cerdo, the pork tenderloin tuxla from Tatawahe? Om nom nom. It's almost mm-hmm. gone. Like very, very oh, tasty. look at that. You see? Yeah. You're, actually, you're actually beating me. Oh. I'm usually... Om nom nom. It's almost gone. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pat is slow smoking it. To be fair, he did a lot of talking, though. So. Mm. He did. Yeah. He did. But that's yeah. good. This is one of those, if you're not actively talking, you're puffing it down. <laughs> and you were pleased with your pairing? Well, it wasn't my pairing, but yes, it was very pleasant. It was... um. Like, I think, yeah, Pat had mentioned, That's like, true. oh, this is the Pat, new wine Pat, in the lounge. Pat had the Pat's idea. been on a That's big right. wine kick, and Pat Pat's never the, the one to be drinking. What's gotten you on a wine kick, Pat? I mean, I've always liked wine. It just, it's pre- it's very similar to tobacco. So For I just... the last three years since I was legally able to drink, I've really enjoyed wine. <laughs> I like wine. It's, it's good. <laughs> I, I honestly think with... I mean, not every wine is going to go well with a cigar, but... No, but and, and I, I do think this is great. You know, we, we do so many um, bourbons, scotches, you know, browns. You know, we do probably after that would be tequilas, you know. Jen, we've done a lot of beer, but this is probably the second time we've done wine. That makes it even more impressive, though. It's, you know, it's a harder match to make. So mm-hmm. when it's made, like, even when you, it goes down to, like, our rep, Tyler, coming in and mm-hmm. trying to find something that suits us. Like, it's, you kind of have to know what's yeah. up on both sides to successfully do that. All right. Well, I think we all agree this uh, cigar is definitely worth finding. Mm. Um we were fortunate, you know, Kurt and Pete are very good friends, so we always have a lot of his special release, and um, we've got a lot in stock. So if you're looking for it, come by Twins, I'm sure. Yeah, baby. We will be able to uh, get your uh, tenderloin satisfaction. Um, at this point in the show, we're going to switch, and we're going to talk about another new release. Oh, <clears throat> yes, baby. This right. is... Uh, the third in a series of blends that Kurt Kendall is putting out uh, under his 724 banner. It's called uh, 724 um, Briery Blends. Um, and this is called Dexter's Secret Pipe Tobacco. And um, let me uh, read you the tin description here. Um a generous base of Cyprian Latakia is expertly layered with Virginias and Burleys, spiced with genuine St. James Perique, and then carefully pressed and cut into flakes. The result is a truly refined English-style blend with notes of cream, smoked mesquite, hints of citrus, with a rich fig-like sweetness on the finish. A versatile, medium-bodied blend that can be enjoyed with your morning coffee, at the end of a day, at the end of the day, with a dram of your favorite whiskey, or any time in between. Um, this is the third in a series of blends that uh, Twins put out under the 724 banner. Um, it is manufactured and blended for us by Jeremy Reeves, the head blender at Cornell and Deal. And uh, this literally just landed Saturday at Twins, and. Um, I think for everybody here other than myself who was at the uh, Pipe Club where this was launched on Saturday, I think this is everybody's first time having it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, it's mine. Yeah. Um, I thought that, you know, when Pat suggested the wine for the cigar, I had it in my thought that it would probably also go very well with the pipe tobacco. Um, I think the flavors are going to be very complimentary. We'll see if I was right or not. But um, one of the things I really like about this particular blend is that there's a lot of flavors going on, but it's not an assault on your palate either. So for me, um, you know, English blends are probably the things I smoke the least. And as a cigar smoker, that's kind of weird. Usually cigar smokers tend to gravitate toward the 
English blends because that Latakia gives that strong, dark flavor profile that you often get yeah, with cigars. Yeah. And um, for me, a real strong Latakia-based English blend kind of takes over my palate, and one bowl is about all I can do, and then I'm done. It's like having a, a rich dessert. Sometimes, you know, when you have a really super rich Ooh. dessert... Um, where normally you might go back for a second piece of the, the cake or whatnot, sometimes one is enough. Sometimes one is too much. And that's kind of the way it is with me with a lot of English blends. This, however, I can repeat. And to me, that says a lot about how this blend is put together. But before we talk any more about that or whatnot, I'd like to know what you guys think. I'm getting a lot of sweetness, like that, that figgy. Um it's also creamy, and um, it's got a nice warm spice to it, too. And it's kind of savory to me, which I think is going to go, again, really well with the wine. Brie. So I'm going to do that thing that I do again. I think way <clears throat> back, way back when, at one point, there was a pipe tobacco we smoked that I really liked, and I described it as having... A fresh linen effect on the back of the palate. <laughs> so my little ooh, that was that coming through in this. So I think on the initial light, it's way on the lighter side than most of the pipe tobaccos we smoked. I feel mm -hmm. like it's um it's very mild, but it still has the complexity you were talking about. Mm -hmm. I also got a little bit of the sweetness, and now um, those more like figgy kind of mesquite flavors are starting to come through mm. but they're still subdued and they're all complement each other there's no spice there's no intensity it's not overwhelming the palate but it's playing on um a lot of that sweetness and i think it's gonna go great with the wine as well so far i've had it just took a sip of the wine and then a couple of puffs on the pipe and mm. i think the pairing is going to go very well mm -hmm. um i'm interested for pat's impressions since i think he has the the most uh discerning palate of all of us mm -hmm. uh, on very true I very true yes yeah, so even though i don't hit the pipe as much as you guys do, <laughs> I, I do know what i'm talking about um i so typically i feel when i'm smoking a pipe i lean towards a latakia forward blend just because mm -hmm. i like that leather and like that kind of darker earth component mm -hmm. um but one of the detriments i find in latakia blends is my palate at least picks up on like, during the retro you can call it mineral i i say it's more of a metallic kind mm -hmm. of aroma and and then when the smoke seizes out of your nostril and you get to finish, that's when that leather comes in. But that mm -hmm. it has like that kind of to me an evasive kind of metallic retro. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with this specific blend, I didn't listen to anything Dan said, so I don't actually remember what's in it. I know it's Latakia, <laughs> St. James Perique. Yeah, Latakia. Is there any Virginia in here? Yes. Mm -hmm. There is. Okay, so I, I picked that out of it. Um. And Burley, too. So the thing about this tobacco that I'm noticing is it has kind of a raspberry jam sweetness to it, but it's not mm -hmm. a really it, – it's not a huge factor mm. in the actual overall component of the tobacco. But on the retrohale, I'm getting that leather early, and instead of getting that metallic kind of texture to it, I'm getting mm -hmm. more of that kind of tarty kind of jam. So it's mixing well with the Latakia, so it's kind of, to yeah. me, expelling those impurities I typically get in a retro from Latakia. Mm -hmm. And then following that on the palate, I get kind of a, I want to say it's kind of a hay and then that, you know, raspberry jam still lingers there. I, get, I do get a little bit of citrus that comes late finish, which mm -hmm. would go well with a beer, obviously. Yep. So... I haven't had the pairing yet, but then there's a little bit like that perique just sits on your tongue for the finish, and it just yeah. kind of gives you a little bit of that spicy sensation. It's kind of a, I'd say it's 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 a, a brown spice, mm -hmm. but it's more of like a stimulating. Typically, brown spice to me has more of like those kind of sweet kind of baker notes. This one has kind of a a ginger, like a ginger kind of spice that sits on your tongue. 
So I haven't had the drink yet, but I feel like just because that kind of causes you to salivate a little bit, I think the wine itself, since it it's not really a dry cab, but it does have that kind of dry. Yeah, it's it's like a really is a middle of the road. Yeah, middle of the road dry. It's like the perfect perfect amount of it, you know. Between both of these pairings, as much as I don't prefer to start or end my night with excessive wine i would absolutely come in and revisit this with other things like this wine is just going great with both of these things mm. yeah so you're, you're liking how it goes with the tobacco here oh yeah yeah very much so um those kind of sweet perique kind of almost raisiny kind of sweetness that you're talking about pat that it leaves on the palate of course goes really well with red wine which you know the, those tannins and then that sweet kind of raisiny spice just kind of it's a it's a perfect combination there you get uh, like a having the wine so i didn't mention you do get that perique spice in the retro i should have mm-hmm. mentioned that and it's like it, it's not an invasive perique spice but it's just just enough to kind of open your nose up when you retro in yeah Ooh, i see what you mean and on the tongue now, like I said, you had that kind of figgy kind of simulation in your tongue. Yep. Again, it's wine, but I, you know, like when you have a grape peel, that's kind of sourness you have from mm-hmm. the grape peel. That's what's left on my tongue, which is really mm-hmm. interesting. It's not bad. It's 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 like no, it's very it's very this, pleasant. Like sour. <laughs> when people hear sour, they think oh, it's bad. No, but it, it's like a really good mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it just kind of adds that feeling to the experience. Like it's very pleasant. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tangy sour that almost makes you salivate some, which I think actually helps enjoy the wine more. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You guys experience that too? Yes. Um, yes, sir. It seems to bring out some more of the flavors and the and complexities in the in the wine. I feel like this tobacco brings out more of that straight grape flavor in the wine too, like mm. the, the grape. Most like. Yeah, I'm really enjoying this. Mm. Um, so this whole briary blend series, um, it's, it's kind of funny. It, 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 uh, started really as a kind of a joke. Yeah. I mean, for lack of a better word, (laughs) it was like, you know, we, we've got a strong growing pipe community here at twins, um, pipe and tobacco events here. Um, do just as well as even the high-end cigar events that we do here. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one po- one point, I remember seeing um, from one of the reps a, uh, a tobacco tin that was had been made just for for a uh, pipe show, and it, there was it was one of two hundred and sixteen tins. And it got me thinking, well, if, if they can make runs that are that small, could they make stuff for us? And so Kaz Walters, who is the um, uh, kind of the head of uh, sales over at uh, Loud DC Enterprises that owns Cornelian Deal, and I started talking about it, um, and it became, you know what, this might be an interesting thing to, to look into. Mm-hmm. And once we realized that, yeah, given the right conditions, this might be something that they'd be open to, we pitched the idea to Kurt. And, you know, Kurt's a, obviously he's a savvy business guy and, and a, a total tobacconist and, a, and a, you know, but he's a cigar nerd. He's, he's not. He's not a pipe guy. Um, and so I was, you know, curious as to whether or not he would actually be willing to to come on board with us and see if we could bring this to reality. And to my very pleasant surprise, I, I didn't even have to really fight with him. He, he thought the idea was great. So that led to um, our first blend coming out um, uh, a little over a year ago. Boston right? Tea Party. Boston Tea Party. Yep. Which flew off the shelves. I mean, we were surprised. Laudisi was surprised. surprised. Everybody was surprised. Mm-hmm. And you know that 
the people who reviewed it, pipe guys who reviewed it, gave it, you know, the, the top ratings. And and um, we really flew through the, the initial release of that. And then we kind of hung on that coattails of that and came out with a Virginia Perique. The Boston Tea Party's a, a um, Burley blend. Came out with a, uh, a a second blend called Queen City, which is a Virginia Perique, and to me, it's it's one of my favorite Virginia Perique blends that's out on the market. It's it's dark, it's grapey. It would be another blend that would go very well with this wine, actually, because of how it how it is. And then the third blend we wanted to come out with was a uh, an English blend. We know that you know this is a, a big cigar shop and if if cigar people also do pipes they tend to go for english blends so it seemed like a natural thing to do to go that way and we wanted to do something other than the ribbon blends that we've been doing so we wanted to try something different and so we went we actually looked at this blend um as a crumble cake and as a flake and kind of like the whole Pete Johnson thing, how you, you change uh, the wrapper leaf and you make incredible changes to cigar. You change the priming of the wrapper leaf, you change the cigar. Um, with the pipe tobacco, the difference between the crumble cake version of this and the flake version of this, which is pressed together and under under several tons of pressure for about a week um the difference between the two blends was night and day um the latakia is much more pronounced in this blend you get a lot deeper notes than you did in the other and the other one was good but this was we felt great and you know it took a little bit for this to get together jeremy's a real busy guy he's been going all over the place it seems like you know for a guy who never did events once he came to twins last summer he's been doing events all over the earth <laughs> since then i don't think he's been in one place twice for more than two weeks dead serious following his instagram and 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 stuff since he did our dinner i really don't think he's been two weeks in any one place you know it's and, it's been and crazy the, and the fact that he's already in the books for us he's again. already in the books he booked. on the day that he <laughs> came he was like yeah he's very yeah. excited about it at tpe he's he, like i can't wait to get back to the he's wicked pumped about it you guys and actually that dinner is going to be around this tobacco he's going to do another blending demonstration um and we're going to smoke the components for uh dexter secret mm. And um, he's going to show us how that happens, talk about the pressing and how that works. And, again, we're going to have a great dinner with that. That's, that's going to be a great time. Mm. Uh, Tom Abbott, who's watching, uh, just packed his pipe with Dexter's Secret, and he says, this is fantastic. Yeah. the, the um, You know, we just got it Saturday, and uh, we had our monthly pipe club on Saturday, so it was very timely. Thank you, Kaz, for getting the stuff there for us. And... Um, literally sold through half of of the case that showed up uh for that and um you know just a, another little side note you know dexter secret what does that mean um you know our blends after boston tea party um are all kind of inside historical facts or things related to 724 and um one of R.G. Sullivan's cigars that he came out with, in addition to the 724, was the Dexter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 724 uh, at the time was the high-end 10-cent cigar. The Dexter was the lower-end 5-cent cigar. And, uh, you know, so the kind of the, <laughs> the little play on things and the... And, maybe even the inside joke or tweak that I'm given knowing that Kurt isn't the <laughs> pipe guy is that, you know, there's Dexter secret and mm -hmm. it was this English blend hey, no. pipe tobacco that, you know, of all of the pipe tobacco that there is English tobaccos are the ones that Kurt can't stand. 
<laughs> yeah, he's actually, you know, he, he, his description of it is it smells like burning hair. And, um, you know, so, but kudos to Kurt, too, for, you know, seeing the success that the um, pipe business has had at Twins and seeing what people want and being willing to, to put um, the time and money and resources into bringing something to market that a lot of people are going to enjoy um, that he will not personally enjoy because it's just not his thing. And, you know, nothing is everybody, no, is, no matter how great a thing is, no thing is everybody's thing. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate Kurt being willing to put in the, the time for this. And um, I'll stop there with my little blur preaching about, <laughs> about the Dexter secret. I'd like to hear more what you guys think, if you guys have any questions going forward. Well, I think the pairing so far is going magnificently. I just really can't nice. help but think of the TV show. <laughs> mm -hmm. Dexter's Lab. Dexter. Dexter. Well, no, yeah. not, not, not the cartoon. Oh, the, the, uh, the Dexter, show. Dexter, yeah. But, yeah, Dexter does yeah. have a secret. He's a serial killer. Nobody yeah. mm -hmm. knows. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. The only chasing note I can add is lavender. I'm getting, like, a kind of a pine cone which a pine cone lavender well they <laughs> it's it, it's a wine tasting note lavender is mm. the barrel finish but it's lavender basically breaks down a pine cone like a floral pine mm. cone the the room note is really um incense like uh as a matter of fact one of our regular pipe guys um is a retired uh greek orthodox pastor and he has been pumped about this coming out he was one of the guys i let try the the test blends as we were picking them and this to him you know the the room note for him reminded him of the incense that they use in their church service mm. so for him he smokes it he feels like he's you know back in the house of god you know <laughs> And uh, I I thought that was awesome. Mm, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is really good. It just made the pagans all really quiet here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. mm. This wine is amazing. Yeah, everything's uh -huh. been really good. Um, great tobacco. Right now, this is available at twins um you can call you know we ship stuff everywhere so obviously you can you can get this stuff um kurt did work out a you know where from this point forward he's going to be able to offer this tobacco to any store in the country that has a 724 account so while right now it's only available here because <laughs> this is where it all got sent. Mm -hmm. You know, I think in the future it might very well be possible for you to see this and the other two uh, blends that are out. We're actually working on two others: um, a uh, dark fired uh, Kentucky blend, and we're working on an aromatic uh, blend as well. Um, that's going to be uh, well. I'm not going to say any more about it, but. It's not vanilla. <laughs> and it's not raspberry. Bourbon. It's and not bourbon. And it's not cherry. It's not cherry either. Apple. It's something it's something Sour you apple. don't apple. see a whole lot of. Apple. No, it's not baking apple. spice. Maple. It's not baking spice. <laughs> bacon. It's not baking spice. Oh. It's not bacon. Bacon oh. spice. No bacon. That's already been done. <laughs> it's already been done. But uh, those and hopefully those two blends. Um, they're in the wicked early stages right now, but uh, um, hopefully by the time PCA comes around, we'll have them both out. And then at that point, I think we'll start really pushing this stuff on a national level, which would be freaking awesome. But, you know, I, we open up several different tins at Pipe Club on 
Saturday, this being one, uh, GLP's Geometry, which also came out this last week, and um, The Beast, which has been out for several weeks now. That hasn't been released in a couple of years. And um, Dexter's Secret was, <laughs> by the little bit that was left in the tin, was obviously the favorite everybody uh, enjoyed smoking that the most, it seems. Mm -hmm. So everybody loved it. People bought tins of it while they were here. Uh, another great sign. <laughs> you know. <clears throat> so there you go. Mm. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. So final thoughts on this here as we come to the uh, end of our show. I really like the play between the tobacco and the wine. The the wine is kind of dry. The tobacco makes me salivate. Um, mm -hmm. The wine isn't too dry, or it just overpowers the tobacco. It did just as well with the cigar. As far as like my favorite pairing, mm, I was going to ask. I don't even know. You know, um, I don't even want to choose. I think this was just a really, really good both ways. Really good yep. both ways. What about you, Bree? I would agree with that. I'm really enjoying, um, as Pat was talking about, the retro hail on this one. But I also feel like it complements the wine in the exact same way that the cigar did. So it's mm -hmm. really, if you were choosing between these two pairings, a matter of if you're in the mood for a cigar or you're in the mood to uh, maintain your pipe. Pat? Yeah, I mean, I kind of said enough about it. It's, it's definitely really good if you want to try a Latakia blend without it being really aggressive yeah um and it, i mean the pairing's phenomenal and it's good that you guys gave the feedback because i mean we drank damn near 12 wines to choose one for the shop so it's yeah. good that you know i picked it because i think it goes very well with tobacco and it's good to see that both the tobaccos we smoked tonight it went well with the wine mm -hmm. so it reinforces that nice well, i definitely think both pairings were great um i'd give the edge of the pipe tobacco myself um, I think the the way they interact was a little bit better, mm -hmm. but both were phenomenal pairings. Um, I'm glad to see there's good wine at the shop too. Not everybody's always in the mood for a bourbon, you know, or a scotch, so it's nice to have choices, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but uh, there you go. So the uh, pork tenderloin, Dexter's Secret. Both great stuff. We'll be back next week. I don't know if we're going to be out here on the deck, but we'll be back here next week, 8 o'clock, Tuesday night. Don't miss it. Thanks for being with us. You've been listening to Not Just Blowing Smoke, the podcast that brings the wealth of knowledge, expertise, and fun of Twins Smoke Shop, New England's premier smoke shop, right to you, wherever you are, whenever you want it. You can find us at our website, notjustblowingsmoke.com, and keep in touch with us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram at notjustblowingsmoke. Thanks for listening, everybody. And that is Not Just Blowing Smoke. Rolling with the top down.